Hey friends, welcome back to your favorite homeschool podcast. You're listening to season two of the Friends of Cabrini podcast. Go ahead right now and subscribe on Apple, Google, and Spotify. And make sure you go tell a friend. Hey friends, welcome back to the Friends of Cabrini podcast. You are now listening to a new episode and we have a phenomenal guest on today. Her name is Mrs. Meredith Black. I love that name, the entire name. She is a homeschooler of three beautiful little ones as well as a former speech language pathologist right from the state of, of Indiana, Indiana. Um, we would like to welcome her to our show. Meredith, welcome on to our show today. How are you this morning? Oh, thank you so much, Delisa. It's an honor to be on here. I'm I'm doing wonderfully. Yeah. Yeah, I almost had to catch myself because I was like, I was gonna say Illinois. You're like, no, it's Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> We're neighbors. Yes, neighbors. So um, you are such an inspiration, I'm sure, to your family and to your community. Um, tell me about how you got started in your homeschool journey. Okay, well, I'd love to. Um, I am, I just turned 50. Um, when homeschooling began, I was in my late 30s. Um, I had married at 35, was working as a speech language pathologist in a school system on the north side of Indianapolis. Um, I loved my job. Um, but I, I was pregnant and we miscarried. So at the end of that school year, I uh, went ahead and let go of my job and I stayed home. Um, then my, we had um, Nora a year later and then I was pregnant with Boaz. And when he was born, we moved um, to North Carolina and we ended up moving five states in eight years. And over the course of that, time. It was such a gift to be able to homeschool and um, just learn about the different states and what it was like to be in Virginia, um, to be on the coast and learn about the ocean or be in Minnesota and learn about a whole nother culture. And now we're back home in Indiana. And um, I can say it's been a complete gift to be able to homeschool. And so we've been homeschooling Nora since she was four and she's now 12 so about eight years now wonderful that's so awesome did you ever think about enrolling your children into the public school system first before you made the decision you know that is a great question um and complete transparency it was a total prayer a time of prayer um just asking friends about it learning about it from my older sister who took her children out of a Christian private school to homeschool and she was a businesswoman. So she was just learning off the cuff and she inspired me. Um, I was a, you know, when I was a speech pathologist, I worked heavily on social skills. That was a passion. And so when my sister took her four out, I learned a tremendous amount about um, what homeschooling was and what it could be. And I also learned a lot about the fallacies of, of you need to be in a school to have um, 
social skills to be to be a loving um, to love people well and and so I we we thought about taking it one year at a time with homeschooling and now I think we're realizing you can homeschool through high school um, fairly easily there's a lot of help out there and there are some really good programs online that can help you as well as co-ops so um, right now it seems to be something where we will continue homeschooling um, unless we're definitely like there's no other option but as far as we know we'll keep going wow you, you mentioned social skills, and I know that from your background, you are very, very um, just, I don't want to say trained would not be the right word. <laughs> um, you have a lot of expertise, I'll say it like that, because I know you probably did a little bit of training during your, your time uh, going into your career, but you, a lot of, you have a lot of expertise when it comes to children really being able to perfect their speech um, mm -hmm. and understand languages. Have you had the opportunity to teach children not only English, but maybe other languages as well? You know, the, I am in speech pathology. We did not work with um, dual language, but we, we worked mostly with um, being able to communicate your thoughts and your feelings. And so I would, I could have someone help me if someone was um, a Spanish speaking teacher, she would help me translate um, or someone who was hearing impaired um, through sign language. And my main role was definitely to help children communicate their needs as well as to do so in a way that was um, effective where they were. And so um, I could help them work on perspective taking or conflict resolution or reading figurative language. If there were children in their class that were saying things that were not that were not literal, I could help them process through that. Um, but as far as second language learning, I did not have a lot of experience with that, sadly. Okay. And no, that's not, you know, it's not anything to be sad about at all. You actually just mentioned a lot of other skills that all children honestly do need. You, I heard mm -hmm. you say conflict resolution. I'm hearing you say communication. Mm -hmm. Those are things that, you know, they cannot get from a textbook, right? Mm -hmm. They have right. to experience it. Um, they have to have conversations, not only with their peers, but, you know, even sometimes with adults. And these are also the same, very same skills that we as adults meet when we do our day to day in our jobs as well. Right. In, in yeah. every area of our lives. So you definitely have developed um, a lot of expertise, it seems like and helping them to not only have those socialization skills, but overall and general life skills, I would say. <laughs> um, and, that, and that's wonderful. Talk to me about socialization, because as, as you and I both know, that seems to be a major piece when it comes to children being homeschooled and people having a feeling of sorts, like as if <laughs> children can't quite socialize or... <laughs> you know, things of that nature because they're not in the, the traditional school setting, the public school setting. How mm -hmm. has communication with your children been? And what does that look like for them on a typical day-to-day -day basis? Oh, those are great questions. 
Um, growing up, um, I, my, well, I, I had learned through growing up, coupled with the job that I had in Carmel, that we communicate a lot like the people were around. Um, for example, if you go to North Carolina, we lived there for a while. You might develop a dialect, you know, after a while being there. Or in Minnesota, we did the same. And so we, you develop a dialect or the words like you betcha or, uh, you know, things like that. And so you incorporate things so around your parents, around your friends, or the things that we watch or the music we listen to. We, we tend to take a lot of that in. Um, and so we, we do develop a language by observation and from hearing. And so, um, forgive me, couple that with getting a new job, like you said, we need help using that language. How do we use it every day? So when you go to a job, like you mentioned, Jalisa, you have a, a manual, you have a training, you are not thrown in right away. You are given time to know what are your expectations? Um, when do you have a lunch break? When is vacation? When is the end of the day? If there is a hardship, where do you go with that? How is it handled? For kiddos, that's not how it's done um, in society overall. I think our parents, our grandparents possibly thought, you know, we just have to jump in. They just go through the patterns that are around us and we just put them in there and they just learn because um, they did it. So then our kids will do that. And I think I've realized through all of that, that our kids need that training. They aren't meant to be thrown into the water and learn how to swim on their own. They need to have that manual and what homeschooling can provide is are a lot of opportunities for training so we can talk with them about you know when you when um i like how my husband and i dialogue about a disagreement they see how we dialogue about that disagreement um when we talk to them about um talking with friends or a lady at the cat at the checkout at the grocery it's like, look at her name tag. What's her name? Say her name. Say hi to her. Look at her in the eye and say, hey, I hope or I hope you have a wonderful day. It's it's teaching them how to do those things beforehand. And then my modeling it too in everyday life. And they watch us and then they they learn um, a lot of a lot of it is practicing. Um, so as you go to work, um, as people go to work, they would do training and they would learn um, how to do the certain skills so we can do that with our children. We could do it um, as a role play. Um, like we could say, um, if you encounter this at the playground, um, what are some responses that you could make? And then you could role play it and you can even videotape it with your iPhone. You could watch it. And it's powerful if you do it in a, if we do it in a way that is showing the, the right way. Um, and so you could, you could say, you could videotape something going wrong or words being said and the child approaching it with um, like a direct um, kindness and teaching them how to listen and ask questions. Um, so in today, like in today's time, there's a lot of, 
um, avoidance of conflict. And so we could teach our children how to engage it gently and respectfully, not avoid it and not to shut it down and not to make it bigger, Um, not to engage in the same behavior, but to dialogue, to listen. And so we can role play that. We can watch that. And and that is something that is a gift with homeschooling. We could actually do a lot of role playing and um, conflict resolution through play and through role play. I really love that you just shared that and you were very specific in detail with that. And I think I've always felt like I may be the only parent that has shared with their child that homeschooling or unschooling is basically training. <laughs> so I, I love I love that you mentioned that as well because I do some of these things that you just mentioned quite regularly with my son. And as you're as you're speaking about it, for me, because I do it so often, so naturally, I think I've never really thought about it like, oh, this is, you know, actually still really a learning process. But when I hear you speak of it, I'm really seeing like, yes, he is learning these things and we we are doing these things. And now I see how they can connect. So thank you so much for sharing that because it really speaks to the whole piece I I feel of uh, what is now being considered as the social and emotional learning process for Mm -hmm. children, right? Yes. And, and and that's a thing in itself, right? Um, we we do want to help our children not only to socialize, but we want them to be emotionally intelligent. And for me, I've recently started to see that with my son, his level of emotional intelligence and how he handles different situations. And I've even seen at some points that he's been able to give some of my adult friends you know, advice <laughs> what they, you know, they say, suppose, and they, they're posing the question to me, but if my son is just so happens to be around and overhears, I've recently started to see him say like, well, I think you should do this and that. And I would say, you know, hmm, good idea. <laughs> Very nice idea from, from a nine-year-old. Wonderful. Our family, I think some of our biggest values lie within honesty and also within integrity. Mm -hmm. And we do a lot regularly where I tell him the importance of what it means to be honest and what does honesty look like? What does accountability look like for everyone? Not -hmm. just children, but for adults as well. And, And how you always can stand in the right of doing right, no matter if you like the situation, no matter if you like the person, no matter how you may feel, always do the right thing no matter what, because you don't know how it's going to come back to affect you at a later date. And and so um, I just love how you shared that. I do think that homeschooling gives that opportunity for children to really understand how to handle situations with grace and respect Mm -hmm. and dignity. And those are some things that they can't really find, again, in a public school setting or, you know, even from just reading things. Yeah. Those are things that they have to experience. So, yes. um, wonderful. You have a wonderful, such a wonderful take on that. Um, what does your family do for socialization, you know, as it relates to your children developing friendships with their peers? Because like we said before, that's that's a big thing. <laughs> <laughs> 
people have. They think their children don't have friends. So what are some of the things that you guys do for socialization, for friendship and fun time, things of those natures or that nature? That's another great question. Um, with all of our moves, uh, Jaleesa, I think over the, you know, um, and when they were younger, going to the community, like the, um, there were free community classes like art or library times or um, um, or like community, like park education. Um, the biggest thing for us is church. And so we would, you know, we have a, we have a small group and um, we have friends that we meet up regularly. Um, they are doing um sports a little bit but um i grew up doing that and I, we don't want to be so busy that we're not around the dinner table together so we're we're trying to figure out um how to do things differently than how we grew up um you know that we don't necessarily have to follow those old patterns and so um we are now um in a place where we have 25 chickens and we're going to try beekeeping. And so we, we, we try to get out and um, share some of those eggs with our neighbors that are not too far, like just get to know our neighbors better. Um, and the people at the library and uh, the people in our small group and even in sports and at the playground, like go to the same places so we can meet kiddos that are different than than we are um, to learn teamwork skills, to dialogue. So, um, it, and they have each other too, which is important. Like they're, they're 12, 10 and six. And so, you know, they have conflict. They, um, they're little humans, you know, and, you know, I think some of the pa my parents, I know their biggest concern with not with homeschooling is they're afraid their kids won't listen to them. And I think you and I can, can, can like affirm that that's going to happen if you put them in the school or you don't, because they're little humans. And so they're going to have days where they're just not going to listen. And, and so we, that's where we work it out with them and we get them down eye to eye and we talk with them honestly. And when we mess up, we model humility and we model forgiveness and, um, and so they know that we're always going to be learning our whole lives, that we're, we're never going to fully arrive. We're going to always be learning how to communicate better and more humbly, more directly and kindly. Um, and so it's, I, I, that's a lot to respond with socially, but um, our neighbors is a big thing. Getting out, meeting neighbors during COVID, we, we put like bubble wands and um, word finds and chocolate into mailboxes and um, and we had a park so when we were able to be around people we would go and meet people at the park and and pick up trash um, and, and so those kinds of things going to the park the grocery store the library um, again for us church is a big thing um, it's full of humans so no one's perfect there so we're all mm -hmm. like, <laughs> there's ways to be conflict resolution no matter where you go. Um, and so it's, I guess those would be our socializations. Yes, I, I agree with you. 
all of those places and all of those activities give you, again, those life skills that are vital, which mm-hmm. we cannot talk about enough. Collaboration, mm-hmm. conflict resolution, problem solving, leadership, you know, mm-hmm. um, all of those things. Wonderful, wonderful. I love it. I, I think that homeschooling is something that everyone should consider, especially if they're able to do that on their budget, of course. Mm-hmm. And I heard you mention a little bit about homesteading, which I get so excited when people talk about what they're doing. <laughs> that is more surrounded around nature and outdoor things. And you've been talking a lot about travel, and I, I love that as well. That's definitely my favorite I think my favorite of all things when it comes to homeschooling talk to me about those two what has that journey been like for your children um going through this process of now having chickens and oh my god beekeeping that's yes (laughs) (laughs) how how do you do that What where did the idea come from that oh boy that um that is Yes, that's been a journey. I grew up, uh, my mom was a single mom and a teacher, and we had a couple dogs, but we were just, we were in the city, and so this is brand new. Um, It is, it's been wonderful. Like, the kids just love, they love having chickens, they, and bees, those come this next month, and so that's brand new. I'm trying to learn. Um, but with all of our moves, we would we would get sick often just around the new flora, you know, new plants and animals. And um, so having honey, friends would say, you know, eat that local honey so you can get that local pollen in your system. So we would we took their advice and it has been helpful. And so we thought, well, let's let's see if we can produce some honey and we can share it. And the eggs too, the chickens, we go out and hold them probably three times a day. We go out and pick up Henry or Bob or Gertrude and just hold them. And they're just a blast to watch. Um, and, and yeah, they're just, and it's a, it's just wonderful. It's therapeutic. It slows you down and it fills up your heart. And and even when they die, you know, that's a hard thing, but it's also a good learning lesson. Wow. I love that. I don't have the space for it, but I really, really, really want to do it. And I, and I really want my son to be able to experience it as well. We're hoping this summer to, in spring as well, to get a chance to kind of go um, to different farms and see if we can do some like volunteering work or you know something of sorts maybe there might be a farm camp or something um, that he can really explore and learn a lot with and I've never known that about uh, bees and honey so that's interesting that you mentioned that because my son is one of those children that happens to be allergic to like everything outdoors <laughs> unfortunately and he like goes into hives and it, uh-huh. it gets really it's really really like brutally bad we've been he's been hospitalized and oh boy. but um that's something I, w- I guess I would probably want to look into too because he <laughs> he does get very sickly during the summer springish months like about May or so 
Mm -hmm. And I don't know what it is about being outdoors. And, and the sad thing is, like, we're not in spaces that we're not normally in all year round. <laughs> yeah. You know, so yeah. it's just yeah. like, <laughs> well, any anytime you all are coming through Indiana, uh, definitely message me so you could stop by and have dinner and hold some chickens and 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 I and this is new to new for us too. This was a dream for several years and it just all happened um wow. two years ago. So it can you know it with all the moves we had eight hundred square feet and a small yard for a time and but we loved our neighbors and we got to go to parks like you said and and so it's a journey and there's a lot of beautiful things out there to discover and and so I, I hope that and pray your your fella feels better this summer, that it's a better summer and when yes. the fight is tough. Thank you. Me, me too. I hope so too. Um, I think for him, the biggest thing is with his eyes and I don't, I just, we still haven't been able to figure out what it is. And then it's like every time we come into trying to do an allergy test with one of the hospitals, uh, it's been bad timing because, you know, with COVID and and all these new things that have been arising as far as like health scares. So it always kind of has to get pushed back for testing reasons, but whatever. I mean, we'll, we'll figure it out soon. Yeah. Um, there's always home remedies, you know, that we've, we've used to kind of keep um, his flare ups and things down over the years. But yeah. So, you know, we're still talking about, you know, socializing, um, life skills, things of that nature. What are three important life skills you would say that every homeschooler should have or may need? <laughs> they may need. Wow. That's a good one. As we mentioned, conflict resolution, um, so important. Um, asking questions. Um and I, th I think forgiveness. Um, so conflict resolution, it's inevitable. We're going to miscommunicate. Um, you know, especially these days, we need to, when we talk to someone, we need to learn how to listen. And so a part of conflict resolution is, is, is a mixture of the next one, listening, and it's defining terms. So it's, it's saying, okay, I, I thought I heard you say this. Um, could you please define when you said this, what did, what did you mean exactly? So defining terms, um, what one word may mean to one person may mean something very different to another in it. And sometimes mm. miscommunication can be cleared up just by, by defining terms, um, and what these words mean. Um, so conflict resolution, a lot of times is that miscommunication or it, and it's, and it's asking um, questions is that second one um, in a time where it's a lot of posting and it's not a lot of dialogue. Um, we've forgotten how to think logically as a culture, um, critic, think critically. And so a big thing is to is, you know, asking questions and listening and um, again, defining those terms all, all together. So conflict resolution asking questions and that next thing um and with that is working on logical thinking and fallacies uh, recognizing things that are um 
that are maybe a straw man or um, things like that. Um, and so we, we have, we've lost the ability to think critically. We, we we're more of an emotional society than we are one that stops and thinks and listens and dialogues calmly. And, and so if we could teach our kiddos to do that, to say, Hey, there's going to be miscommunication that creates conflict. So let's, let's practice this. And one of those skills is to listen, um, ask questions and help them recognize those fallacies. A great book for that is the fallacy detective on Amazon. Um, highly recommend that. Um, it, it, it will really help um, identify those straw mans and different things and in advertisements. Um, and then forgiveness, learning how to forgive is a big thing. Um, and even as moms, um, realizing when we get impatient and we mess up that it's not irredeemable. Um, and we could teach our kids that because they're going to mess up too. And they're going to go throughout life messing up. And if they see how we handle it, um, it will give them hope. Um, and it'll give them a model. And so conflict resolution, uh, learning how to ask questions and to listen well, and how to forgive. I think those three things are so critical when it comes to social skills. Are you enjoying the podcast? Remember to subscribe to Friends of Cabrini on Spotify. Now back to the episode. Wow, I am so in awe of you. <laughs> I am taking notes, by the way. Please believe that I am in this book, Fallacy Detector. You said it's on Amazon. I definitely will get. I, I feel like this is going to be one for me and my son that we should definitely read or I should read. Um, you mentioned things that speak like directly to personally, directly to our personal lives. And I'm sure it probably speaks directly to some of our listeners personal lives as well. One of the things you said um, kind of sits on something that's my favorite, which is you talked about what words mean, etymology. Mm -hmm. And I have found in personal experiences from adult to adult that sometimes as adults, we don't even understand the language that we're using, the words that we're using. And mm -hmm. it creates so much conflict when you're trying to have that dialogue and have that that conversation, but someone is misinterpreting how to use the language or they're not understanding. And so there's always going to be that that like bump of heads there mm -hmm. because the language is not properly being used in the right way. And I guess this may fall under your expertise as well, because I feel like if we do these things with amongst one another as adults, then it's it, we should expect that our children are going to do this, especially if we are not properly teaching them the meaning of words and how to use the words in the correct sentences where it makes sense so that they are able to not only um, validate how they feel and affirm how they feel, but they're, they're able to properly communicate that 
where others are also able to understand and you know vice versa and you get you get what you need but um mm-hmm. you mentioned so much um in in just these three points and i think that's one of my favorite out of out of your three points because i tried to stress that to friends of mine like do you really understand the definition of the word that you're using <laughs> <laughs> and i know some people hate music for like like really like now we're gonna have an argument about this but it's like if you're gonna talk to me about something know what you know know, know what you're saying you know mm-hmm. um it is it, it's something forgiveness that is definitely something that hit home for me um i love that you mentioned that i think that is important as well I would agree with you that that's a big life skill that we all need, not just homeschoolers, but people in general. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Uh, homeschooling is so, so beautiful. And you so, have such a beautiful and wonderful take on what it is. How has homeschooling um, emotionally affected your children? I mean, also, how has it emotionally affect, affected you and your husband? Oh, um, well, it's been a it's been a gift. Um, I love waking up every day and getting to be their mom, and that I get to learn alongside them is wonderful. Um, so emotionally, I've loved it. I know there are times where I get tired, um, or I'm not feeling well, or they aren't either. Um, but I'm just so grateful I get to teach them, and. And I remember seeing a documentary, Schoolhouse Rocked, I think it is. And it made me think. They said, you know, um, I went to school and I guess I assumed I went to school because uh, that's what we were supposed to do. And then I thought, well, maybe my mom isn't able to teach me. And I thought, you know, I think we subconsciously or consciously take it in that we are not equipped to educate our children. But... And, and so we feel incredibly intimidated at the prospect of feeling like we need to know everything or what if they don't listen to us? You know, that could be that could be very difficult. But what is so emotionally encouraging is that it, we don't we aren't supposed to do this in isolation and we are not alone. Um, we do have a community and right now there's so much available to help you and I do this. And so. And I know that if I were to, um, I know it sounds morbid, but you know, we don't live, you know, if I were to die tomorrow, um, I, I would, I'm just so glad I have every moment I can with them. And so I get to teach them and something that is also encouraging to Lisa is I need to find their, where this research comes from, but, um, I think it's Mama Bear Apologetics, and they mentioned that when, as a parent, when you approach difficult topics, your children look at you as the expert. So the first person that tells them something about a topic they see as the expert. Mm. And so we get to approach really tough things with them. Um, maybe things that are, are like, let's say nature or social things going on in the world, we get to um, bridge that to them in ways that they're able to understand um, because they know the world's hard. There's some really hard things out there, Um, but we can do so in a way that um, is gentle, but not, um, 
not sheltering them completely, but giving them some information so they are aware um, if they do encounter a child at a playground that's having a tough time, um, that our child knows that, you know, kids go through tough times and this could be why. And we need to ask good questions and be kind. Um, and so as we approach these tough topics, they, they will look at, they will look to us and not to other adults, um, as experts. And so I think that's so crucial, especially with social media. Um, there's, there's a lot of people that they could post anything. And so it's very important to, to, to teach them that, um, that, you know, we may not have all the answers, but we're going to research it and, and uh, we're going to learn together. So I, I think that's been a blessing too, is, is um, being able to have all this time with them, being able to teach them, being able to learn with them and, and to approach these tough topics together. I heard you say that parents are considered to be the experts when we are discussing or teaching our children something for the first time. Yes. And I wonder, what are your thoughts about the idea of parents telling their children that they're not the experts? Because ultimately, mm -hmm. right, as the world continues to change and things continue to be become either discovered or unsolved, uh, depending on what, what those things are, we don't really know the full answer to everything. You know, there's always something that parents are learning for the first time as well. Mm -hmm. So what are your thoughts on parents that may say to their children, well, I'm not an expert at this, but I can help you learn to research said topic or said, you know, subject. Oh, that's perfect. Um, no, that's great. Um, there, you know, it's teaching them that truth is what is real and it's, it's teaching them to examine and it's teaching them to investigate that that's a good thing. Um, that reason is a good thing. Um, using their minds is a good thing. Um, and that we will not know everything. We're always learning. Um, but we, we got to slow down and, and, and investigate things, not believe things too readily but not dismiss them either. Um, we don't want to be apathetic so we can teach them, you know, let's, if you have a question, look into it. Um, and, and I think that's an incredibly important skill is to, is to teach them how to research, like you said. So I strongly agree with you on that. Yeah. Wonderful, awesome. I, I do that a lot with my son and I found myself recently um, saying that to him as recent as, I, I feel like as recent as this week. <laughs> he, <laughs> he has uh, new questions all the time about different things. And I've just started to explain, I think a little bit more like, you know, adults don't really know everything. <laughs> I, mm -hmm. I, I don't know the answer to everything, but I can help you find it. And that's actually a skill that I actually learned while as a child in public school, but I actually learned it from the librarian um, at my public school when I was <laughs> about my son's age. Um, and I think that has helped me a long way. And then as I've 
kind of grown and rediscovered things about um, leaders of the past that have now passed and transitioned on. I've also come in to the understanding that some of their skill sets or their some of their, I don't want to say skill sets, but some of their um, life things, their life understandings was also to have the ability, as you mentioned, to investigate and to research mm-hmm. because everything is always evolving. It's always changing, you know? And I think that's okay. <laughs> oh, it definitely is. Yeah, it definitely is. And what you're saying, I completely agree that it's like, because there's information out there. So as a parent, like you said, if, if as parents, we need to say, you know, you need to investigate it. You're going to hear a lot of things that that are stated as fact. And so you need to investigate it. Um, and, and, and so as they hear you give that encouragement and me give the, that encouragement, then they will investigate and they see us do that instead of taking someone's word always, but saying, but listening and asking questions and investigating, that's a good, healthy thing because it's not disrespectful to investigate or to dis- to disagree. It's, it's how we do it. And so that's very important. So it's, it's teaching them to think critically in a loving way, in a respectful way, because disagreeing, you know, isn't um, not being a friend or not being loving because you and I disagree with a lot of things our kids do and we still love them. And so it's just how we disagree with them and how we teach them is the same we do with adults. And and so, yeah, they'll, they're going to look at people giving information as the experts. And so as we encounter things, we could do what you said and uh, very well and say, you know, we we won't know everything, but we can definitely investigate. And and so that's that's incredibly important. Do you think culture uh, makes a difference in the homeschool journey? Culture, well, you know, yes, because um, we're living in the world. Um, we, you know, it's being aware of it, communicating, and. Um, and that's where defining the terms is important because we may be speaking a whole nother language. Um, same words, not not language as far as English, Spanish, but it could be. Um, it, it, but it also could be if you are if we're in a culture where let's say it's all English, a very important social skill again is that that listening and defining the terms. So if, if someone doesn't feel loved or respected, it's uh, asking when you say loved and I'm and you don't feel loved by me, could you define that for me? Like what would make you feel loved by me? And and with disagreeing, what does that mean to disagree or authority? So I think in culture, the defining terms like those are very important. Um, and teaching our kids to do that. And so culture is 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 uh, is changing a lot. Um, and it, and we're all in the world. And so to love people well, we need to understand what they're communicating. And again, we may be missing one another and what we're saying. And so it's good to slow down and ask questions and be patient and loving and in dialogue. And, and so that's where that, I think that investigating comes in is investigating is, is observing and asking questions 
and dialoguing. I think that's a big part of it. I would agree with you. Um, I have I, I, I have recently experienced some of the things you just mentioned with my own son. And I think that it doesn't necessarily, you know, when we say culture, I feel like most people think of race, you know, ethnicity, um, mm-hmm. maybe, you know, geographic locations. But I think culture can even break down to generation as far as age. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and, and it happens even within your own home, right? Yeah. Yes. You guys are, you may be in the same family and you think you know your child, but COVID has shown us that there are a lot of families that don't know the individuals in their home. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, and so recently... Wow, I, I feel like you're like a like a bee flying around my home because <laughs> you you literally mentioned how you know um, your specific thing that you just said made me think of my son when you said um, how is it that a person wants to be loved and um, he's recently shared some things with me about that. As, as it relates to me and, and his dad um, and, you know, me being a single a single parent, uh, it's it's hard with the co-parenting mm-hmm. and it's hard when, as a child, you know, they, they want the parents together and you have to mm-hmm. go through that piece. So we're there basically with our son. Um, and he, he shared his feelings about how he wants us both to show him that we love him and it, it was so interesting when we had the conversation because the things he mentioned it was like we're already doing those things but I guess we're not doing those things in depth the way that he wants them and mm-hmm. after questioning a little bit more it actually ended up coming down to time mm-hmm. yeah it came down to time and it it was really not necessarily that we weren't doing things for him or things of that nature but it was the amount of time that he's been given he does Mm -hmm. feel that he gets quality time but he doesn't feel that he gets it to the extent of where he wants it Mm -hmm. because even you know even for us as homeschoolers right like me I'm I'm running a full-time business in homeschooling and grad school so I have to balance my time. And he's just like, I see it sometimes, but I want it more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's that. And same with his dad. His dad is um, um, in the Air Force. And so he, he, he has that same situation going on with both of us. But um, I love how you mentioned that. And you just keep talking about defining the terms. What what does it look like? What does it feel like? What does it mean? Um, and I think that's so important when we work on communicating with our families and, and with each other um, as peer groups, as adults, and, and so forth. What has been like your ultimate aha moment? that you've had in your homeschool journey with your family? Oh boy. Um, That's a great question. You have a lot of great questions. Um, (laughs) Thank you. Oh boy.
I think it happened early on. Um, the thing that stands out to Lisa in my memory is playing with Nora. And she was just a little girl. And remembering not being a speech therapist anymore, I, I let that go so I could be home. And But remembering the things I had learned and thinking how incredibly important it is for me to spend time with her and not have my phone there. And because I think because the way I grew up, um, I looked outside of my home for, for affirmation and love and for attention and direction. And with, with our kids, it's been this gifted opportunity to be a mom that now I could play with her and fight that battle of putting my phone away. It's so hard that, it, that I don't have to look outside of my home um, to the degree I thought. Um, I, I, they, I'm gifted these kids and it's a, it's an opportunity to pour into them and to this home. And, and, and so it's just so different than what I thought it was supposed to be. So it, that was my aha moment was playing with her and realizing I could model these skills with her and every kid is going to be different. You know, how we, um, how we play with them, we may have to follow their lead a little bit more, you know, or, but we get down on their level and we grab the toys and we just start playing and just start talking like we would, uh, like I would grab, uh, with her, it was this dollhouse and I grabbed the people and I said, you know, like practice greetings, like, how are you? Or, um, conflict resolution. Oh, I'm so sorry. You know, or those kinds of things for me were aha moments that I still hold on to. And as I have now, now she's 12, I have to fight to put my phone away. And remember, she's still a kiddo and she still wants my eyes and she still wants my, my brain to be focused on what she's saying. And she still wants me to be asking her questions, thoughtful questions about what she's learning, about she, what she's reading, what she enjoys. And that is, that is something that's been my aha moment that I need to realize that the world, it's not all about me. You know what I mean? It's, 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 it's so much bigger than that. And these days go quickly. And so that's been the aha moment for me, I think. My son, too, has recently kind of started to get into a space where he's asking me to play um, with his wrestlers. And, uh -huh. you know, again, when you're like kind of preoccupied with all these other things, it's kind of hard. But mm -hmm. we found ways to do these things. And I've even noticed with him, um, you know, he's he's had an interest in stop motion. And so he's recently been able to combine his play with his interest in stop motion. Uh -huh. And he now makes videos of his toys and how he moves them. And he, he loves um, WWE wrestlers. So he creates <laughs> matches and all these things. And I started to just simply observe him over the last couple of weeks. And I'm just like, you know, this is actually a career that someone has right yeah. now. 
WWE. Like this is a this could be a possibility for you later on. So that that's awesome. thank you. That that's so wonderful that you shared that as well. That's awesome as well. Um, we spent so much time talking about family, and uh, you know, the of course as parents, right? You have lives outside of your family mm-hmm. to do. How do you find balance um, in your family time, in homeschooling, and working, in your marriage? How do, how do you balance just everything to keep yourself afloat, to make sure the children are still afloat and in alignment, your husband's needs are met and he's in alignment? How do you balance all of these people that you are connecting with every single day? Mm-hmm. Boy, that's essential, isn't it? Um, so through friend, like the help of friends, like people that come into your lives, um, at the just gifted time. So I think dear friends that pour out over text, like, uh, like, Hey, I need prayer for this. I need help. Cause my child's not being respectful or they're not listening. Would you, you know, and what do you do? Or those kinds of relationships are a gift. Um, because you realize you're not alone and you're, and you need each other. And so that has been helpful to have those friends outside of home. Um, for my husband, one of those friends suggested that he and I, you know, set an hour aside on Saturday mornings. And so from seven to eight, we'll grab coffee and we'll talk about, um, how last week was, um, what's on the calendar for the next week, what our hopes are for that week. And then we plan a, uh, a meal calendar together and then he'll run to the store and grab everything. Um, so Saturday mornings kind of are that, that extended connection and kind of the processing of the week before and the planning for the week to come. Um, and then um, I we split up the bedtimes together, which is such a help to um, he'll read to them for like every night and he'll put them in bed four out of the seven. Um, so we split that up and I get up early and exercise or read and that's helpful for me. Um, so it's, but it's always a journey, like you said, because it doesn't, there's, it doesn't always work out like you want. And maybe like we're sick or we're injured or, um, we don't have someone there to help. We don't have family close or someone there. And I definitely had that in those other states before we moved home. I didn't have any family to help me, um, for a long time. Um, and so it's. Yeah, it's learning to ask for help and that balance is always a journey and it's sometimes like you said it changes but i hope that's helpful yes it it, it really is um you mentioned being able to kind of travel and transition from from different states and I know that there's a lot of people that are probably wondering, well, how can you homeschool, you know, from state to state like that? Um, were there any particular laws or regulations or practices that you kind of ran into when you guys were in North Carolina, Virginia? I think you mentioned Minnesota as well, mm-hmm. or or right now in Indiana. Um, were there any any kind of regulations that you guys were 
expected to follow during each of those times? Did you have to mm -hmm. submit documentation, you know, things of that nature? Oh, that's a that's another great one with homeschooling. Like every state it was different. Indiana's been the most it's probably been the easiest, the least restrictive. Um, Minnesota and Kentucky and North Carolina were very similar in that they would like you to write to the superintendent and let them know that you're going to be home. And in Minnesota particularly, you would you would have testing done every year and that you would keep on file like a California achievement test. Okay. And you would just file that away. And so uh, there's a company, ChristianLiberty.com. Uh, it's $25 to do this California achievement test. And that was so affordable. Uh, we had hired a gal that I think did the test for 50 or 60 annually in person um, when we were in Minnesota. And she could do that over Zoom as well. But, um, but those are helpful and uh, we just do it anyway, but we're not required in Indiana. So we just are curious, like, how are they doing with reading and grammar and math? And what do I need to target a little bit more? Those kinds of things. And so, yes, it's, it's been different. And Indiana is, again, probably the least restrictive of all the states where we lived. Um, but none of them have been too restrictive. Um, we, we never were up in the, the, I think the Northeast, and I think that's where it's a little bit more, but, um, but so far it's been, it's been very, um, a pro homeschool thus far. Yeah. And, and I think it, I think in the Northeast, there were some states where they would need to approve of your curriculum um, before you used it. And so as far as Common Core, um, thankfully I didn't have that. It could be flexible to the kiddo and what he or she was learning and how they learn. Wow. That, that uh, approving curriculum piece? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that, has to be tough. that has to be tough for any family because now it's, it's, so limiting, I'm sure, to what what you can do or what your child is able to do. That's unfortunate. Agreed. Yeah. Speaking of curriculum, are there any favorites for you? Oh, um, you know what, Lisa? I think five in a row. Have you heard of that one? No, I, I haven't. What's that one? That one was suggested to me in North Carolina, and it is um, affordable. It's it's something that it, all you need is a manual, and it's probably, I think it's around $35. And the manual would come with uh, maybe 10 books, and they're classic award-winning books. And you read those together. It's like living history. And mm. in the manual... Um, you would you would read like um, the rag coat is one, or cranberry Thanksgiving is another book. Um, but there are several books, and in for each book, it'll give you all the scripts for language arts, um, history, geography, even some math. So you read um, that book one time a day for maybe a week, 
and you could go through and talk about the vocabulary, where the story took place, uh, the characters and the setting, the the problem and the solution. And, and those were wonderful because I could sit with the kids and enjoy that time with them. And because I remember with how busy my mom was as a teacher, that I remember her reading to me and those memories stand out to me of being just four years old, her reading to me, and now I'm 50. And those are the times I remember the most is her reading to me. And so that, that you get to read these books and dig into geography and history and social skills with them in the book. And it's, that is my favorite. So five in a row um, is my favorite. And then our math is Nicole, the math lady. Um, okay. She is, uh, has a PhD in math. She's wonderful. Um, she's funny and she's kind. Um, she, they're only maybe three minutes to seven minutes uh, at a, le- a lesson or video. And she does Saxon math. Um, it's fairly affordable. Um, and my kids really like her. She'll do a corny brain break after every lesson. So the kids will tell you puns and jokes and we love puns. And so, but Nicole, the math lady is, is wonderful. Five in a row is wonderful as well. Are you enjoying the podcast? Remember to subscribe to Friends of Cabrini on Spotify. Now back to the episode. Uh, this year, as of actually, yeah, actually, this year, literally, as of January, um, we decided to break open one of them, and that was the Hewitt Online, Hewitt Homeschooling Online um, Learning Literature, or okay. Lightning, I think it's called Lightning Literature, correction, uh, Lightning Literature. And so, my son has been using that one and loves it. Um, very, it sounds very similar to the five in, in row one. Uh-huh. Is- it's pretty affordable and you do get the opportunity to learn different things that encompasses everything literature like spelling grammar um diagramming you know the diagramming sentences you get to learn mm-hmm. about books or read a lot of cool books as well my son has been a really big fan of comic books and a lot of non-fiction books uh that have more african-american uh, characters or African American historical leaders and things of that nature. But with this, mm-hmm. with this particular curriculum, we've been he's been able to branch out of those books and to kind of find some different ones. Um, he just finished up the one and only Ivan, or no, yes, the one and only Ivan. And so uh-huh. now he's interested to finish the series. He's he's kind of like that type of kid where once he reads one, he wants to read the whole series. So, <laughs> I think there's the one and only um, Ruby, and I think the one and only Bob is going to be coming out soon on Amazon. So we're going to get those. Oh, great! Um, yeah, and it's it's all because of this, all because of this curriculum. So I'm, I'm glad that he loves it. Um, just yesterday, he was telling me, "I'll give it a four out of five, and only because the he he." he doesn't quite like the diagramming sentences. I think he gets it, but I think he's just kind of like, what's the purpose? 
And I've seen on social media, a lot of people recently started talking about that. Uh-huh. <laughs> With diagramming sentences. And oh, yes. I, I can understand and I can see why it's such a bit of confusion because, you know, if you think back to like your time in education as a young person, that was not even a thing then. When you were learning grammar, you just learn nouns, verbs, adjectives, you know, and that's that. Mm-hmm. And write it out but now it's like you have to draw lines and <laughs> break it yes. apart and yes it, it reminds me so much to how um, math is being done these days as well because with math right if you think of simple addition for first graders when we were first graders um i just remember it was kind of like uh nine plus seven is 16 and now the kids are like well we have to break down nine so that means we're going to do six plus three plus, and then you break down seven plus three plus four. Oh my. <laughs> and, and, and typically most parents are like, no, nine plus seven is 16. We're not right. doing six plus three plus four. Like, are you kidding me? Or the one with, I think it's the one with the tens where they have like, um, I think it's like 12 plus three. And then uh-huh. the kids have to break the 10 down where it's 10 plus two plus three. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it's like, no, we're just do it normal. <laughs> so, the diagramming reminds me a lot of how they're doing math these days with the mm-hmm. children and <laughs> making them break those things down. Um, but I mean, I, I get it. You know, it's a different way. Right. right. <laughs> I get it. I understand it. It's a different way of learning. I do think, though, that I would say compared to when I was a child and and maybe when we were a child versus the children Mm -hmm. now, sometimes I feel like it's really a waste of time because they can just get it the way that we did, you know, Mm -hmm. and boom, boom, and be done. Mm -hmm. And I've I've come into, like, I've come into contact uh, with some of the children that I tutor that actually are like that. They're more like, their minds are more like uh, traditional. I would, I guess I would want to say like th- of the traditional learning style, which is kind of you know, old school, which is how, how we learn, right? Yes. yes. They don't really, sometimes I've seen like some kids get so frustrated in the process of trying to figure out the breakdown because it takes too much time. They'd rather yes. just do the old school way. Right. And I'm, I'm so fine with that. <laughs> yeah. Same here. I think it's I think it's just like, why do I need to do this in, in detail when it's still going to be the same thing for them? So. I don't know how how like interested you might be in like project based learning or um, like notebooking that style of notebooking and um, what's our what's our other one we love um, oh it's with the folders and uh, I like we do this so much and I can't think of the word now um, lab booking book yeah yes yeah there we go we we love yeah. lab booking um, gosh we've been doing that since I think he was first grade. <laughs> Oh, that's great. Yeah. yeah. And it works out so well. I'd really encourage families to do lab booking and notebooking very easily because they, they, they're they pretty much similar. You just do one with the notebook, that's all. But um, 
for those kids that have a hard time with retaining information, I think mm -hmm. those are perfect ways to get them to just understand things, especially if it's basic concepts like, as you mentioned, like geography, right? Mm -hmm. you know, if you're wanting to learn about the state of Maine, just lap book the facts and, and all of these cool things and uh, make it a project. So yes. I, I think yeah. that's so wonderful. Geography is definitely our thing as well. <laughs> oh, that's a ton of fun. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You can make homeschooling is so great because there's so many things I feel like you can do and there's so many ways that you can be flexible and you can adapt and integrate things and bring mm -hmm. it together. You know, not all of your literacy lesson has to be solely just reading. You can incorporate a little math in there, yes. you know, things yeah. of that nature. So it, it's wonderful. Um, are there like any other resources that you you may suggest or you may want to suggest to first time homeschoolers, you know? Oh boy. Well, what you share with lab booking is wonderful and getting outside and playing. Um, just like, uh, I, I remember hearing from a mom that with art, just give kids paints and brushes and clay and just let them create and, and see what they do. And sometimes, you know, you could give them guidance on how to draw a face, you know, and proportions, but, um, just giving them the tools and seeing what they do um, and, and watch. And so uh, that is something. And, and again, the books, reading books, I was not a reader much until I became a homeschool mom. And now I'm a reader and I'm again, 50. So it can happen later in life and, and yes. it could be a ton of fun. And like you said, you know, grab a book and you could go to a park and read. You can, um, like we lived in Virginia, and so we got to see NASA and Nora and I watched hidden figures together. Um, and like it was, it, it's a ton of fun to be able to get out and explore and actually see the museums and the places. And and it's a gift to have the time to do that. We, we are dying to come to Virginia, Alabama, and... I think it's Texas. Well, I, I'm personally dying to go to Texas, anyways. But we're <laughs> dying. We are. We talked about. Um, we've talked about NASA, and I think there's a spot somewhere in Texas where NASA is also based. But I do yes. know that Alabama and Virginia are uh, top two locations for NASA as well. My son really, really wants to see some things there. Um, he's really interested in engineering, and I'm. I just want to get him like in that space, in the engineering okay. space, you know what I mean? Yes. Because, like, it's not my thing. And I feel like there's only so much that I can teach him mm -hmm. because I'm not a professional at it. Right. 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 And so we, we've had the um, good, uh, we have a, we had a great opportunity that we still currently have um, where I was able to get him um, signed up for the Big Brothers Big Sisters program last year. And uh, he's been paired up with awesome engineer as a mentor or, or as a big. Um, they, they use the term big <laughs> there. Um, <laughs> and so uh, Daniel is his big and he's so great and he's so extraordinary. Um, and I'm so thankful for that. And I know that 
as a homeschooler, there are times where we're trying to help our kids navigate through their learning journey, but mm -hmm. we don't know anything about those things, right? So right, we, have right. to kind of, we have to kind of, you know, go outside of us. Um, I would say one of the biggest resources that I have started to really lean on is community. Mm -hmm. and finding people that can do the things that I can't finding mm -hmm. people that are experts and knowledgeable in the areas that I'm not. And I'm totally okay with being honest with my son and saying, as we said before, I don't know all those things. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but we can figure out how we can find someone that does know. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And, and for us, Daniel has become a part of our village and I'm, I'm sure he'll probably hopefully you'll probably listen to the podcast and be like, cool, I'm so happy. I, I hope he's happy with that. Yes. <laughs> Shout out to Daniel. He's, he's such a great, um, phenomenal engineer. He works over at Pepsi and does a lot with them there. And so I know for us, as I was saying, that's one of a, a, a big thing, one of our biggest resources that we've started to really use recently, which is community. Um, mm -hmm. How about you? Have you guys found yourself in places or in spaces where your children are interested in certain things, but you, it's not that you are not confident in teaching it or showing them the way, right? But it's more so maybe that you don't have the full background knowledge and said thing. So mm -hmm. would you s suggest or say like, hey, maybe you can do uh, a shadowing day or a volunteer day with this person? Or do you ask people to come into your, your homeschool space and, maybe teach your children a couple of things that they may know that they might be experts at? Oh, that's an excellent idea. I don't utilize that as, enough as I should. Um, definitely, like you said, field trips, um, taking those to the recycling center, um, or a friend that uh, builds drones that she homeschools. She has six kids and they have a drone business. Um, they create drones and some of her kids work for them and being able to maybe have like my older two be able to go and observe they would love it because uh my middle son boaz is 10 and he really is into robotics um and coding um so he he was able to do a co-op opportunity locally that had robotics like a lego robotics um, group and they helped pay for his spot so it could be pretty expensive and then that collapsed because the funding went elsewhere um, mm. so like you said it's hard to find and sometimes things change but it was such a gift to have that he loved it so I'm looking now for other opportunities maybe there's an online course and then maybe reach out to people and say hey can we do a field trip and maybe a relationship develops, like you said, and we can come observe more frequently. But um, yes, community, that is awesome advice to that we need community and we're not meant to do it alone. And so that's wonderful. Wow, I love that. We love field trips as well. And we have started to think about things that are kind of like outside of the box, not your traditional and typical um, public school or homeschool field trips. Uh -huh. And literally I would tell anyone that these ideas for us, at least in our family, they just come from 
based on conversation. <laughs> um, you know, we had a conversation a couple of weeks ago about how hot dogs were made. And as a result of that, now there's an idea to go and, and kind of observe and shadow um, a factory. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, we, we watched some videos on YouTube that we found of how they made the hot dogs. And then surprisingly enough, well, no, I guess not so surprisingly because Google and YouTube do this, they link everything together. Um, okay. There was a video on a wool, wool making. And we saw how um, they honestly kind of took the sheeps and just, you know, went to town. And my son was, he was, I think he was more bothered by the fact of how they did it uh-huh. instead of what they were doing. Yeah. You know? So um, there's interest in, in learning about that. And I guess he's more, I also feel like my son is becoming more of like one of those people that he, he really likes and cares about animals. And so he really wants to see all different kinds of animals being treated correctly. Yes. Yeah. You know, in the right way. So I feel like there may be something with like an animal rights type of thing <laughs> going on. Oh, later sure. On. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, you know, it, things literally start for us from conversation as far as, mm-hmm. like, when it comes to field trips. Um, we've gone to some really great places. Um, and there's some great places in Indiana. Like, there was the Mascot Museum. I think it's in East Chicago. Uh-huh. We went to and we randomly found it and it was such a great space to go to and it's really like really really cheap and really affordable i mean like it's like eight dollars i think to get it um you can do like a party a group session there there's so many different uh exhibits on both of the floors that the children can see and i think for my son the best part was because it sits right outside or right next to a railroad that (laughs) passes by in there i think there's some type of like energy plant or something that's nearby and those Uh are also all of the things that he's interested in you know so when he yeah when he's when we got there he was like mom there's a railroad there's a train let's go take a picture i was like okay you can take this picture but you better not cross that track. <laughs> He's, when I tell you, like, that engineering thing, it goes far, it goes far. He loves trains. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, so, um, there's so there's so many great places. I'm sure you guys have probably been to the Indianapolis Children's Museum, right? Yes, yeah. That's we wonderful. love it there. Yeah, they have this really great collection on uh comics the history of comics uh-huh. and we like died in that one space because there's like everything from like batman superman like anything that's dc and marvel i know that they have it there and i think that's maybe like the biggest collection we've seen um for children you know to observe cool. and, and for comics so there's all tons of great places we're going to be going to a couple of places in south bend in a couple of weeks so if you uh would like to come you're more than welcome to come we're gonna we're planning on going to the south bend cubs game oh cool. and nice. uh, they're gonna let some of the the children kind of go onto the fields and 
share about like their reading goals and different things like that. So it's really awesome. Oh, that'll really be awesome experiences. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to share your son. Does he like comic books? He does. He's like, you know, I used to think like I can say like he had a specific thing. But now that he's growing up and he's being exposed to a little bit more, it, it's like all over the place. Um, his main things, though, are that he wants to get into acting and uh -huh. engineering. So he would like to be an engineer and an actor. Um, uh -huh. He's already started his YouTube channel. And he's doing little things with that, which I guess is where the stop motion comes in play. He mm -hmm. does love comics. He would like to create his own comic books. Um, he also does love wrestling. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I just want to put this on the air right now that Mr. Vince McMahon personally, personally <laughs> can thank me for it. I would say at least, I don't know, two to maybe $3,000 worth of cash change for figures that were bought at Walmart <laughs> and Target. You know, um, I've, I don't want to spend that much money anymore. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, um, yes, my son needs to have an investment. <laughs> and, and, um, yeah, he loves WWE. He loves film. He loves, uh, you know, TV shows and different kinds of films. He loves comics. His favorite comic series is the Dogman series. Yes. Yeah. Um, we have a Dogman club um, that we do through our virtual co-op through, uh, through Friends of Cabrini on Fridays and all the kids get together and read and then they do these really cool um, artsy type of things. Um, sometimes it's like 3D things, physical things, and sometimes they're just drawing their characters and stuff very so, fun yeah it's it's a lot of that and, and the kids are from all over um we have kids like in missouri and indiana and it's all over um so yeah he, he loves those things um yes he's really big into trains he's always been into trains and so i think his idea with engineering is that he wants to go into either mechanical or electrical engineering in that area um he's really more fascinated with the electrical trains but you know anything about like trains is just a it's always a plus for him um so, so I, I do like that you know he's been able to kind of really define for himself what his interests are and he's very specific um uh -huh. even even like with the acting uh, this past couple of, I want to say the past couple of eight months, we've started to go to a lot of theater plays, which I never would have thought uh, would have interested him, but they did. We went to go see Lion King in the fall. And then since that time, we've went to like the Goodman Theater and all of these different other theaters around the, around the city and in a couple other cities and uh, suburban areas. And he's really took to it and he, he loves it so I think that that interest is is fully ignited <laughs> and it's only going to be a matter of time um, before he sees himself on stage where he's mm -hmm. doing those things in. It's so it, awesome. It is awesome. It sounds like you are loving it. And, um, I'd love to meet your son someday. He sounds 
amazing. And um, yeah. I was thinking, he, when you said comic books and history, asking about history, the, there's a book set that came to mind. My son likes Dogman, and my daughter loves comics. She likes something called um, Nathan Hale's Hazardous Tales. And those are at the library, and they're on Amazon, and they're they're his, history written in comic book form. Mm-hmm. And her favorite one was about Harriet Tubman, and they also have them like World War One, World War Two, Revolutionary War, uh, the Alamo. Uh, but we, she read that before we watched the movie Harriet, and she was teaching me things. Um, I that it. I had never heard of before, and it was all through that comic. Um, and it is so the library. It's wonderful. Yes, the library is my favorite ultimate resource. I, I tell yeah. people all the time, I love the library. There's so many things there besides, you know, books and things. So definitely tap into your public uh, libraries. And yes. I would even say tap into the libraries at some of like on some of the college campuses too. Because you'd be surprised at what your child and you can do even on a college campus. And you don't necessarily have to attend the school. Um, Great advice. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. But you're, you were saying about the comics. Um, I was going to say, have you guys come into contact with the... Gosh, I, I don't know if it's who was or who is, but it's like the Who series. It's uh like it's like the Who HQ series. I think that's how they officially call it. Um, but it has yeah. like who, who was Abraham Lincoln, who was um, Oh who, yes, yes, yeah. It's like what is the great. Amazon? Yeah, you know, so those books. Um it, we love that entire series. We had that entire series featured in our book club for over the past three years. And so I think now the reason why I'm mentioning it is because I think we have come across um, a couple of their books where it's still nonfiction. It's still giving the, the um, stories and uh, perspectives, bi- biography perspectives of different people or different events. But uh-huh. they have included in that comic sp- that comic part where um, the kids can see the drawings and things like that. So we just recently read um, who was uh, I can't think of the full title, but it's on Cesar Chavez, um, okay. and kids read that one back in January, and so. That one featured his story, but it's actually as a comic strip, and it's oh. not fiction. So if that's if that's something um, you guys would like, definitely go for it as well. The okay. traditional ones are basically, you know, just written out, and there's maybe like a timeline and a picture here and there. But I think they're starting. I think the publishing company is starting to dabble into getting the comic side of it in there. I guess maybe because you know a lot of kids kind of uh, gravitate towards comic reading, graphic novels and things. Mm-hmm. So we yeah. found that one as well. Um, he enjoys both. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> he enjoys both. Um, and then, uh, you know, as far as like things digital wise, there is now on television, there is this series that does do historical pieces and it's on PBS. And 
I can't seem to think of the name and I, I wish I could tell my son, like, <laughs> tell me it. <laughs> um, but it's on PBS. I will tell you later. It's on PBS and okay. they do like this foreshadowing piece going back in time in the histories of different people's lives. And they've had like, um, I think it's Harriet Beecher. Am I saying that right? Harriet Beecher Stowe. I don't know if I'm uh-huh. saying that right. They yep. had her on. There was Harriet Tubman that was on. They had Alexander Graham Bell on. Um, There's so many, so many different people. Athel Gibson on. Um, different people from all different walks of life. And they basically, you know, through the comic characters, they tell uh, the history of this person, their invention, or what they did in history. And then at the end of the episode, they show the real picture of what that person really looked like. Uh-huh. Oh, He's wow. uh, fallen in love with that one um, over time as well. And then there's a superhero one um, that's also on on PBS as well. So okay. I know some parents are probably like, well, I don't want to keep my kids watching television and giving them screen time. But sometimes... I found out with my son that sometimes kids can learn a lot, you know, through simple yeah. things that they're watching on TV. Um, yeah. So sometimes screen time can be good. I think it's it's just, it's more so about what it is that they're interested in watching. Yes. Yeah. You know? and, and you can kind of pivot around that. So, yeah. Those are That's good. Wow. We have a lot of resources we're sharing. <laughs> yes, ma'am. I love it. Wonderful. Well, it was so great talking to you today. I, I know that you're probably busy. Have a busy day ahead of you on this beautiful, beautiful Thursday. Um, tell me, what are some contact, you know, information or social media links where our our listeners can maybe reach out to kind of connect with you or uh, maybe consult with you on some ideas or things, um, any of those things. Oh, sure. Well, I would love that. Um, Email would be probably the best way to reach me. And my first name is a little unique. Um, It's Meredith with two Y's. And uh, my last name is Black. So it's my my email is meredithblack at gmail.com. So it's M-E-R-I-D-I-T-H-B-L-A-C-K at gmail.com. So Meredith with two eyes, black at gmail.com. And anytime, like if, if anyone has questions, please don't hesitate to email me and I'll do my best to, to answer those where I will research and send some, some links your way or resources your way. But um, it has been a genuine pleasure talking with you, Jalisa, and meeting you and getting to know your resources. And, and your son sounds wonderful. I'd love to meet him. So truly, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Thank you as well. Thank you so much for that. Um, they're signaling to me that I, I forgot one of our our, our questions that we usually end with. Yes. <laughs> I apologize. That's okay. Um, usually, we end with a very fun question for the episodes here on the show. And the question is our decades question, where we ask, what 
is a film, song, TV show, or anything from pop culture of any of the previous decades, 70s, 80s, or 90s, or early 2000s, um, that kind of represents or is a reflection of your homeschool. And it doesn't necessarily have to be like for the full journey. It can totally be where you guys are right now. So if there's a TV show that kind of reminds you of how you guys are homeschooling, that can totally be it. Um, do would you have you know would you have one of those? <laughs> that is a I love that. That is fun. Um, that's lighthearted and it it's a great picture. Um, uh, there's a song in the show and as the song I think the tide is high by Blondie uh, I was born in 73 and I think you know every you get uh, you have mountain experiences and you have valleys and and one of the gifts of homeschooling is you get to walk with your kids through those real things and and learn how to handle those together and then the show Little House in the Prairie um it's one of my favorite things. So learning how to um, uh, to appreciate technology and uh, and yet, like you said, also get out and play in the dirt and um, learn how to do things without it. Um, and so I think that's where we are. It's like I, I'm trying, born a postmodern kid. I'm trying to learn about what it was like before and. And what we and just how to live um, without tech and with it, and so it's been it's been a journey. It's been wonderful, and um, yes, I'd say those two things. I love those. Wonderful. Our two that I think will be one being developed just last night. <laughs> um, <laughs> our two, I would say uh, Sister Sister would be one. And I think we still have the Sister Sister feeling going because in that show um, with T and Tamara Mari, you know, they are um, biological identical sisters you know, truly on the show in, in reality, right? But on the show, they're biological identical sisters, but they have separate adoptive parents. And so they come together as that blended family. Um, I think we're experiencing that with how things are with co-parenting uh, between me and his dad and then him kind of getting into relationship with his great-grandparents on his paternal side. Uh, my son, uh -huh. I'm referring to you. Um, also because I would say that show also because of just the overall, not just the family dynamic, but just overall the lightheartedness of the show. They address a lot of really sensitive and hardcore topics, but they address it in a very gentle and subtle way where mm -hmm. the girls are able to really learn, understand life and go through things. And I think that speaks back to that social and emotional learning piece that we were talking about earlier today. Mm -hmm. um, the second one that I was saying that kind of comes of last night, I would say is Creed. <laughs> yeah. Creed. And, I, and I know it's pretty recent. It's not the past. It's pretty recent. But again, I don't know anything too much about Rocky, but <laughs> from, right, <laughs> from what um, I've seen so far with Creed, it is that relationship that Rocky and Creed have where they're kind of depending on each other. And from what I've seen in uh, Creed 2, it seems like it's, or it's Creed 1 and 2, I want to say, it seems kind of like, you know, 
they're dependent on each other just delivering on their things and building up each other's confidence like if you do it i'll do it if, if you fight i'll fight you know type uh-huh. of thing and so it's kind of that uh just having that relationship having someone where they got you know that they got your back and you trust them and you're going to do it together that support and going into the journey together and i think that's what me and my son are kind of doing right now it's if you do it i'll do it if you do it i'll do it and we're we're going in it together and not feeling like you have to do this alone yes. so yeah. i hope that i am getting that right from cree <laughs> <laughs> um again i don't know anything about boxing or or rocky but i just have a feeling that watching after or when we once we watch the next three three i ha- and once we watch all of the rockies i have a feeling that there's going to be a new thing with my son coming on where he may be interested in boxing or mma or something because the wrestling is already there so yeah. <laughs> So yeah, that's that. Creed and sister, sister. I, I hope it's good. Um, but thank you so much for being on the show. It was so much fun talking to you today, and I hope our listeners do connect with you very, very soon because you are mm-hmm. such such a phenomenal person. Again, I love your name, Meredith Black. That's like when when you first like shared your name, I was like. That sounds like like I've heard it before somewhere, but I don't know where I've heard it. But then I feel like it's like one of those names like can be featured in a movie or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it's like it's like one of those really cool character names. So I, well, I just thank love you. Name. <laughs> <laughs> I love well, your thank you. name. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. Here's thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on to our show today. Um, listeners, definitely reach out to Mrs. Meredith Black as soon as you can and connect with her and see how things are going with her beekeeping and with mm-hmm. her chickens. I definitely <laughs> want to see more about that. And make sure you continue to follow and subscribe to the Friends of Caprini podcast right here on Spotify, Apple, and Google. Until next time. Hey friends, so did you enjoy today's show? I know I sure did. Go ahead right now and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Google. And make sure you tell a friend.